Father, indeed, that is our, our prayer. May our hearts as your people be filled, even in our disappointments, be filled with praise. For we can call this God that we have sung about our Father, our Savior, our Lord. We're so grateful for that, and we're grateful that you have spoken to us clearly, and you have spoken to us perfectly and sufficiently and authoritatively and without error in your word. And so what a privilege it is to hold this book in our hands and then to come and to hear the truth of this text to be opened for us and taught to us by the Spirit through the mouth of a preacher. Lord, this is an incredible privilege that we have, and I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, help me not to get into the way of your word that your people need today. Please, Lord, meet us here. Holy Spirit, come and do this work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes life is really disappointing. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe you have lost your job or you're stuck in a dead-end job. Maybe your relationships with your, with your mom and dad are broken or your, your kids, your extended family, it's difficult and it's awkward. Maybe you are sitting here, you are lonely, you are single, you don't want to be. It's just plain disappointing. You've, perhaps you've been diagnosed with cancer. Perhaps you're not able to get pregnant. Perhaps your church has let you down. Perhaps you're struggling with some sort of addiction and you just can't seem to break free. It's just plain disappointing. Think about right now, I want everyone to think about a hard situation in your life right now. Things that you have gone through or more likely things that you are currently going through. And let's, let's be honest here, disappointment is a fair description. Pastor Heath Lambert, who is a really good writer and an excellent uh, biblical counselor, Pastor Heath uh, needs to undergo his fifth brain surgery for a medical condition. And he wrote in a recent blog that I, that I read, he wrote these words, quotes, Disappointment seems too small a word to describe my response to this development. 
The last few years have been the hardest of my life. I ache to know that some of that trouble is not yet behind me. End quote. I think it's fair to say that even believers experience disappointment and life can be disappointing. In our text this morning, in the book of Deuteronomy, and if you want to take your Bibles and continue our exposition of the book of Deuteronomy, take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3 and find verse 23. In this text, we see a deep, aching disappointment in the heart of Moses the leader of Israel, the the preacher of Israel. And this disappointment really culminates even as a mature believer at the end of his life. Now, remember, Moses was not allowed by God to set foot, to travel with the people of God into the promised land. You say, why? Well, just review, but let's, let's try to remember why. The people of Israel were complaining in, as they were wandering in the wilderness. At some point during that 38 years of wandering in the wilderness, they were complaining against Moses and against God. Really against God. And they were complaining that they were thirsty and that they were hungry. And they were really thirsty at this one point. And God said to Moses, speak to the rock and it will produce water for you. And Moses, in his frustration, code word for anger, in his anger over the rebellion of the people, he struck the rock and he did it twice. And by God's grace, water gushed forth. And Deuteronomy 32, verse 51, makes it very clear that Moses broke faith with God in front of the people of Israel and did not treat God as holy in their midst. For that reason, Moses would not go into the land. But Moses is not particularly pleased about this. Can you relate? Um, We see in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 37... And we see even a hint of it in our passage. And we're going to see in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 21 that Moses blames it on the people. Certainly, I'm sure a component of that was, you know, a righteous indignation against the obstinance and rebellion and grumbling of the people of Israel. It stirred up Moses' spirit and that, I'm sure, contributed to Moses striking instead of speaking to the rock. Psalm 106, verse 32 says of this incident, of the, the, the double strike of the rock, in Psalm 106, verse 32, of this incident, also provoked Moses or him, right, to wrath at the waters of Meribah, so that it went hard with Moses on their account. 
because they were rebellious against His Spirit, against God's Spirit. Because of that, He spoke rashly with His lips. I can see how Moses was tempted to point his finger, but ultimately he knew it. We we're going to find it in, this ta- in, the, in the text to come. He knew that ultimately he had sinned against God, all excuses aside. Other people do not get to take the blame for our sin against God. And Moses discovered that. But let's just relate to Moses for a minute. For 40 years, about the age 80, right? Burning bush and revelation of God and let my people go and Moses becomes an instrument in God's hand, a servant of the Most High God for the redemption of Israel out of Egypt. And he saw such great things and water to the right and to the left and he experienced the lightning and thunder on Mount Sinai and the finger of God writing the the stones of God and he, he had to put up with a complaining and grumbling people. Watch this. A leader for 38 years wandering around in the wilderness. 38 years wandering in the wilderness with a disobedient and a disgruntled people serving God, a humble man of God. And now, there's a change. God is on the move. The new generation is actually having faith. They're actually leaving the wandering. They're heading north. They're believing God. God says to pass around Edom and they actually do it. And Moses is getting excited. Wow, this is different. And then they head north and they even see God's mighty hand of power move against Sihon, the king of the Amorites. And then another king named Og up north. And God dispossesses them. God, by His mighty hand, Moses gets a taste of the power of God to dispossess. And he is privileged, Moses is privileged to give this inheritance to Gad and the Reubenites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And it has begun. And Moses gets a taste of the power of God and what it looks like when the people of God had faith. And he is excited. And then he's not. Because he realizes. He can almost taste the fruit of that land. He can almost feel his spade go into that dirt with the people of God. To see the looks on their face when they see God dispossessing the people and how God accompanies faith in His Word. But he remembers the pronouncement of God in verse In chapter 1, verse 37, the Lord was angry with me also on your account, saying, not even you shall enter there. And Moses is heartbroken. And Moses is burdened. And Moses is breaking inside. Moses is disappointed that he cannot set foot into the land. Moses, the friend of God, Moses disappointed at the same time. And I want you to feel this with this background as we read our passage in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23. And as I read this, ask yourself, what does Moses do 
with his disappointment. So take a look at your text. Our text this morning is Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23. The text says, I also pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, Oh, Lord God, You have begun to show Your servant Your greatness and Your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as Yours? Let me, I pray, cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan and the good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, are you ready? Enough! Speak no more of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes to the west and north and south and east and see it with your eyes. For you shall not cross over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go across at the head of this people and he will give them as an inheritance the land which you will see. So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. And so ends the first sermon of Moses of past remembrance in the book of Deuteronomy. There can be deep disappointments in the lives of true believers. Question, what should we do? There are three responses to uh, three appropriate, three God-honoring responses to disappointment in our text that we see from the life of Moses. Number one, verses 23 through 27, number one, talk to the Lord. Number one, talk to the Lord. I also, verse 23, I also pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, so at that time he's pleading with the Lord. Why? I already said it. He's tasted and seen the power of the Lord. They're about ready to go. He said, Lord, I've talked to you before in the past. I know the kind of God that you are. You've heard me when I've pleaded with you in the past. I'm pleading with you. Let me go in with the people. And so at that time, he pleaded with the Lord. He begins to pray. He begins to talk to his God in his disappointment. And I love this word pleaded. He pleaded with the Lord. This word pleading is a word that is so hard to translate. It is a word that is full of emotion. This word can't be written without tears. This is a deep, heart-wrenching emotion. This is a begging of God for favor. Begging of God for grace and mercy in compassion. Oh Lord, 
I'm struggling so much with this. Please, please take this away. The pain is too much to bear. Please give me favor. This is a godly prayer of Moses. There is a pleading with God to show mercy and grace and favor and allow Him to go into the land that He longs to see and to set foot in. Brothers and sisters, I wish we understood that sometimes in our lives, the best word that describes the types of prayers that we ought to have towards God is the word pleading. Pleading, you know that. Pleading. Prayer is pleading with God. Now hear me on this. Kids, listen. Teens, everybody. You can't plead without relationship. I mean, since when do you plead with a force or plead with an idea or plead from your heart with a theological construct or plead with the God of your mom or plead with the God of your dad or plead with your God of your grandmother or the, your grandfather. You don't plead with someone else's God. You plead with your God with whom you are in relationship with. The word plead is, implies intimacy and relationship. And I'll tell you something about Moses. He was called a friend of God. He was a friend of God. At the end of the book, it says of Moses, right at the very end of the book of Deuteronomy, it says of Moses as he was dying outside of the promised land. It says of Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And in the new covenant, through the work of the Holy Spirit, Paul calls it in Christ, the fellowship with Christ and His sufferings through the Spirit. We are friends of God. I was just reading in the book of John, you know, you know your daily reading thing, and, and I got to this as I was preparing this message. I, Jesus says to His disciples, I no longer call you slaves, but friends. And no greater love has one than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. There's a pleading with God in relationship in the midst of our disappointments. The first thing we do with our disappointments is talk to the Lord about it. What a friend we have, and I think we'll sing it. What a friend we have in Jesus. And we'll see the connection with that great song to the life of prayer. But the God of the universe amazingly, this transcendent, sovereign God of the universe is amazingly near us, listens to us, cares about us. We can call Him friend. He is our Father. But listen, He is not our buddy. If you are putting your arm around Jesus while you shave and He's your buddy, we should talk. Listen how Moses addresses his friend. In verse 24, Oh, Lord God, You have begun to show Your servant Your greatness and Your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as Yours? 
Now, I get it. I get the pain and the disappointment. I get when people say they're angry with God and I'll work with you and I know you'll work with me. But hear me on this. Moses is not saying, I'm mad at you. You are so unfair and unreasonable. God, don't you understand me? After all I've done for you. No. He goes to the Lord and he says, Oh, sovereign. Good translation, a better one. Oh, sovereign Lord. He's the sovereign Lord. And then he's the what? Servant. You're going to have to factor into your friendship with God the sovereignty and the servanthood of man. Moses does. Moses in his pleading starts by praising God. He worships God. He shows the worth of God. This is worship. Acknowledging the person of God. The work of God. The his strong hand and his mighty axe. He's just seen them with Sihon and Og, and he is frankly excited about it. And he wants more of God. He wants to be with the people of God. You're not, you're not a so-called God of the pagan nations. They can't even compare with you. There is no one like you. This is instructive for our prayer life in our disappointments. We come to the Lord first, but we come to the Lord as Lord, right? And yet, this Lord is our friend. This sovereign Lord is near to us. He hears us. Moses knows this about God. And he comes to God in his disappointment. And the first thing he does is he adores God. He praises God. He worships God. The God who hears. The God who cares. The God who understands. The sovereign Lord. Bring your disappointment to the Lord in prayer. And may our prayers start with praise and worship our God. Prayer is pleading with God. And it starts with praise before it ever gets to the petition. But the petition comes. Look at verse 25. The request comes. Let me, I pray, Cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan and the good hill country and Lebanon. And you can just feel, can't you please, you can feel the pain of Moses and the disappointment as he describes the good hill country and the fair land. He can see it with his imagination. I want to cross over and see this land with the people of God. They're finally believing you. I don't want to miss out. I want to be a part and Moses, as I said, I mean, he's talked to God, you know, I'm going to, you know what, this, and Moses has prayed to God and interceded before the people before. He knows the heart of his God. That's why he prays. The mercy and compassion of God. That's why he goes for it. David went for it with the sin of Bathsheba and the little baby that was, but when the, when the baby died as a consequence to his sin, he got up and did what? He worshiped. Perhaps God will let him go in. I know the kind of God that I serve. But the answer of God. Verse 26. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough! Speak to me no more of this matter. For God has made His mind up. Moses is instructed not to bring this request again. 
I don't think this is a rebuke that implies that Moses shouldn't have been persistent with the Lord in prayer. But the, here's the deal. The bottom line is this. The answer was no. The answer to Moses' prayer was no. Did God hear? Yes. But I want you to see the emotion in God's answer. The Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough! Speak to me no more on this matter. Do you hear that? You go to the God of the universe and He says to you, Enough! Don't speak to me on this matter. You're going back. This is relationship. This is the stuff of intimacy and relationship. Isn't that ironic? I think what one scholar is absolutely right. He says this, quotes, The tone of the refusal seems very strong, and yet in a sense it is indicative of the intimacy of the relationship, end quotes. I mean, right? I can't, I can't confront anyone, but you know, my wife and I, we have no, no problem confronting each other. We love each other. There's an intimacy in that relationship. Am I right? This is all about relationship. Well, the answer is no, but God is a God of mercy, and there's always, in these kinds of prayers to God, there's always a tender yes mixed in. Did you know that? Watch this. There's a yes to his prayer as well. God is not done speaking in verse 26. He's not done answering. Verse 27, he says no and yes. He says in verse 27, Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes to the west and the north and the south and the east and see it with your eyes. He wanted to see it and he wanted to set foot in it. Can't do that part, but I'm going to tell you how to see it. It's mercy. It's mercy of God. He goes up to Mount Pisgah and he's able to see from Mount Pisgah. He can look to the west all the way to the Mediterranean Sea across the beautiful land. He can look to the north and see the edges of the land of Canaan from Pisgah and to the south where they're supposed to enter in at Kadesh Barnea. And he can even look by way of remembrance to the land of Sihon and Og that were conquered to the east. He can see it all from the top of Mount Pisgah. And so God grants this request. It's a tender answer to the prayer of Moses. And this is indicative of the care of God, the love of God, the tenderness that remains, always remains with God in our prayer to Him, as sometimes do the consequences. So, in our disappointment, talk to the Lord in prayer. Brothers and sisters, this is the first step to handle as a believer your disappointments. And it looks like a pleading that starts with praise and then gets right to it in a specific petition. It's very instructive for us. Unfortunately, we don't do it. Unfortunately, in our disappointments, what do we do? Who do we talk to? Anyone but God. Had about enough of that. Come on. We talk to others and it's called gossip. 
We talk to others and it can be slander. Maybe we take it to, we just complain and we grumble in our disappointments. And I think what God is telling us, in our disappointments, we need to stop, drop, get on our knees, and bring it to God. In your disappointment, talk to God about it. Plead with Him. But often we don't. I'm telling you, I don't know what it is about me or about you that we just kind of sickly like our disappointments. We like to wallow in them. We like to commiserate in them. We like to have other people notice them so that they can tell us something about our misery. And we're angry about it. And we're not going to pray. We're bitter. We're filled with self-pity. Anybody watching? I'm over here. I'm filled with self-pity. We need our attitude adjusted in disappointment. And the way to do that is through prayer. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is a pleading. Prayer is not about getting what you want from God like a genie and some sort of health, wealth, and prosperity thing. Prayer changes you. Aligns you with the living God. It changes your attitude. Sometimes God says yes, and He always has a yes in there. And our perspective has changed. And that allows us then to take the next step. Wow, look at the time. Uh, to take the next step. Number one, take, what was it? Take it to the Lord. Number two, take the next step. In your disappointment as a believer, take the next step. Look at it, verse 28. I like what God's not done talking. He's still talking in verse 28. And notice what he says. He says, but, okay, you can go up to Mount Pisgah, you can see it, you're not going to sit on the land, but here's what to do instead. But charge Joshua. This is so impossible. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go across. Do you have to say that he's going to be the one to go across to head the people and rub it in? For he's going to go across at the head of his, this people and he will give them, not you Moses, he will give them an inheritance to the land that you will see. And so God says, Moses, Moses, take the next step. Do the next thing in your disappointment. And here's the next thing. We are poised on the edge of the land. It is exciting. You, they need a leader. Moses, you got what it takes Train him. Equip him. Encourage his heart in the Lord. Strengthen him. The idea is encourage him uh, in, in a sort of a wisdom way. And the other word is strengthen him in sort of a spiritual inward way. Really equip him so that he can lead the people in. Moses, Moses, you've spoken to me. Good. It's time to get back to work. Get back to it as a leader of Israel. You're not going to take them and Joshua will. You need to equip him. You need to finish what you started in leadership development. You need to prepare him. You need to charge him. You need to encourage him. Strengthen him. Get him ready to take the people into the land. He's going to give them the inheritance. Brothers and sisters, let's apply this. In our discouragement. Are you ready? 
we need to get back to work. In our discouragement, we need to take the next step. In our discouragement, we need to do what God has called us to do. In, the next, in our discouragement, we need to obey God. Okay. We need to be faithful with the situation right in front of us. Our disappoint, Moses' disappointment, has it been removed? No. But he is to press on, to be faithful, to be obedient to the Lord, to walk the path that was chosen for him, And we are called to run the race that is chosen for us. It is your race. It's not someone else's race. It's difficult to serve the Lord, though, and take the next step when the answer is no. I'm telling you, though, if you reflect on that for any moment of time, that this is true of our marriage, this is true of our parenting, this is true of serving in the church the disappointment that is there. And so Moses is called to remind Joshua about his God. And what will that look like? Well, in the context in Deuteronomy chapter 3, just look at what Moses will do for Joshua to train him. Verse 21, same, just a couple verses in the context. I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms in which you are about to cross. Do not fear them for the Lord your God is one fighting for you. That's the kind of thing he would do to strengthen and encourage the next leader. So in the midst of our disappointment, May God give us, are you ready? This is the word. May God give us contentment with our lot. Contentment with our race, with our house, with our wife, with our church, with our pastors. May He give us contentment with God's plan for us that even in the midst of disappointment, may we take the next step in fulfilling the calling that He has called us to fulfill. And I'm telling you, if you reflect on it, this is exactly where we're at. Because think about continuing to train up your kids in the nurture and admission of the Lord. You're trying to do that and your marriage is struggling. And it's so disappointing. And yet God has called you to continue to train your kids. Or pastors out there who might listen to this. It's so difficult to continue to be faithful in preaching week in and week out and shepherding the people of God when the pressures and the disillusionments and the criticisms of ministry have filled you with the disappointment. It's so hard to press on. Or, it's so hard to work for the Lord at your job when time and time again you've been passed over for a promotion because you took a stand for integrity in the workplace, and it's so disappointing, hard to press on, do the next thing. And for the teens, it's hard to press on when you take a stand for Christ, and and you even speak up for Christ, and now you're losing your friends, and you try to come to church, and you try to connect with these people, and you can't connect to anybody because it's spiritual warfare. So you're trying to connect to the people of church. It's so disappointing that you lost those friends. It's so disappointing that you can't make a friend and you feel alone. But you're called to do the next thing and press on. 
Take the next step in contentment. Now watch this. If we don't pray first, God cares about our heart. He, he's not in, God is not into grumbling obedience. Is that obedience? He's not into self-pity obedience. Is that really obedience that he's looking for? He's not into whining and frustrated obedience. Is that really obedience? You say, I can't do that. I can't either. It's going to take the Holy Spirit of God stirring up supernatural faith. We have to depend on Him. And that's why number one is pray. I'll pray when I get it worked out. So, We just want relief from some of the consequences and setbacks. And what God is wanting us to do is to follow His lead, to bloom where we are planted, to take the opportunities that He has afforded us, and to be obedient and faithful in those areas. What do we do as Christians who are discouraged and disappointed? Number one, we take it to the Lord. Number two, we take the next step. And all of these are going to flow from the ultimate and culminating and cumulative response that fuels the first two and that is number three trust for the inheritance trust for the inheritance i've got 13 minutes put your seatbelt on here we go trust for the inheritance there is a key theological term in our passage and it is the word inheritance found in verse 28 the word inheritance. This is the inheritance, right, of the land, right? The land of Canaan. You with me? Okay. Because of Moses' sin, he has forfeited the initial experience of the inheritance with the people of God. He's not going into the land. But you have to understand, and I think we do, I don't think Moses, he didn't see it at this point, he had to trust it. Understand that Moses has not forfeited the ultimate inheritance. Believer, in your disappointment, praise God for this truth. Are you ready? We have not forfeited the real inheritance. problem is we can't see it it's going to take faith and so here's Moses he's not going to set foot in the land he's going to exhort people to enter the strengthen Joshua to enter the land you go you can do this and he would see it from on top of a mountain but listen to this but one day and Moses did not know this one day Moses would be in the land one day his prayer would be yes and amen. We just preached it in the book of Luke, which is why I like to go Deuteronomy to Luke, because now you can get this, I hope. Here we go. We go to Luke, you think of the Mount of Transfiguration. Are you with me? Jesus' face is shining like right, his raiments and all of that. What land were they in at that point? Canaan, the promised land on a mountain in the land. And of course, the face of Christ is shining, and two men appear talking to Jesus Christ. Who are the two men? Yes, 
Moses, Moses, our Moses, and Elijah. And Moses was standing with the Christ, the promised Messiah, the promised serpent-killing seed of the woman, and they're speaking to Jesus of His departure, which He is about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Literally, the exodus, the exodus that He was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Do you think Moses knew a little something about the exodus? Moses remembered that, and now Moses is in glory, and he's alive and well right then. And he would have remembered his pleading to enter the land, the disappointment. He would remember the call to encourage Joshua. And here he was, and Moses is in the land, and he's privileged to speak with the glorified Christ. And he's privileged to speak about the redemption and to get a glimpse of the power and the glory of the second coming of this one. And he'd speak about, not the first exodus, but the greater exodus of how Jesus would go to Jerusalem And He would accomplish our redemption. How He would redeem His people, not out of the slavery of Egypt, but out of the slavery of the bondage of sin. And Moses recognized, oh, you go. You're going to redeem even me from the breaking faith with my God by the striking of the rock. I wonder, as one have questioned, if it would ease Moses' disappointment if he knew that the transfiguration day was coming. And that had been revealed. But no, he did not know, and so he had to trust that God is good, that He is sovereign, that He is mighty, and that He is His friend. He wouldn't be able to say the end from the beginning. He'd have to trust God. But watch this. I'm excited about this. Here is Moses, right? In our passage, in Deuteronomy 3, he's commanded to strengthen and encourage Joshua. Are you with me? That Joshua would go in the land. Are you with me? Okay. And, and, and Joshua is going to be given a double portion of the Spirit. You can, we'll read about that in the end of Deuteronomy. A new mantle of the Holy Spirit filled with the Spirit of wisdom when Moses lays hands on him, and, and Joshua would lead his people into the promised land. What do you think Moses and Elijah were doing with Jesus on that Mount Transfiguration in respect to the humanity of Jesus Christ? Well, right after the Mount of Transfiguration, because that's why we do expositional preaching, Jesus would set His face like flint to do what? To go to Jerusalem, same word is used, to accomplish, to accomplish what he was supposed to accomplish in Jerusalem. And Jesus knew that he would drink the cup of the wrath of God. And I, and I think like Moses, for years and years earlier, had strengthened Joshua. And now Moses is inside the land on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Moses, I kid you not, is strengthening in respect to his humanity the greater Joshua, encouraging him emotionally. Our redemption depends upon you going. I know it's disappointing to be rejected by your family and thrown off a cliff or tried to be. And to be rejected by the leaders. I know you're disappointed. I know it's disappointing. I know it's disappointing difficult. I know you're misunderstood. I know you feel alone and rejected. You, but Jesus, go. You will accomplish our redemption. You will secure our inheritance. 
And I just wonder, when Jesus was in that garden, in Gethsemane, really disappointed that his own friends can't stay awake. And I think disappointment's an understatement when you think about drinking the wrath of God, the forever hell for everyone who would ever believe in six hours. And when Jesus, who already knew the answer, says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. One author said, and I agree, I wonder if the Heavenly Father sent Moses to speak to Christ just before he went to Gethsemane, maybe to help him in respect to his humanity, for he was obedient to the point of death, to be willing to accept the Father's no to the passing of the cup. End quotes. For Jesus, it was the joy set before him the eye and the future joy of the inheritance. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he has sat down at the right hand of God. Make no mistake about it, God is sovereign and he sees the big picture in the midst of our disappointments. We see the mere edges of God's ways for us. We've got to believe that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. We've got to believe that in the midst of our disappointments, in the midst of our pleadings, if you really think about it, in the midst of our disappointments, there's sometimes a no, but the final answer to our prayers for relief, the final answer for our prayers for rest, the final answers for our prayers for nearness, for fulfillment, that the tears would be gone, that the joy would be full. The final answer is always yes and amen in our Lord Jesus Christ. Always. For Moses did not obtain the inheritance then, but he participated in the preparation for the greater exodus. And one day, he will be in a better country, a heavenly one, in the city prepared for him. The inheritance waiting for Moses. The inheritance waiting for us. As Peter says, imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Which makes me want to end with Pastor Heath Lambert. But I didn't quote everything. Remember? Dr. Heath Lambert, the biblical counselor, you're with me, five surgeries. He's on to his fifth brain surgery. There's, a, there's scar tissue applying pressure to the nerves of his brain. And he writes, quotes, Disappointment seems too small a word to describe my feelings to this development. The last few years have been the hardest of my life and I ache to know that some of the trouble is not yet behind me. But I keep reading. As disappointing as it is, I know God is good. I know He loves me. I know He is doing good things. He goes on to say, I don't have the first clue what He is doing, but I trust Him. 
I know that He will use this for good. I am eager to see that good and experience it. Pastor Heath goes on to say, suffering is the surgery of a loving God that a loving God does on our souls. My neurosurgeon is going to create significant pain with scalpels and drills to solve a problem that cannot be addressed any other way. In the same way, God sends painful circumstances into our life as, as the exclusive remedy for spiritual challenges. We might not even know that we have. God is doing wonderful things in this trial. And the God of great love, He doesn't know how to do anything other than good things. Though it can be hard to see the good thing He is doing, His ability to do them is not in doubt. God never intervenes in our life to harm us, only to help us. I believe He is helping me now. I can't see what that help is from here, but He will show me when it is time. In quotes. In our disappointments, brothers and sisters, number one, talk to the Lord. Number two, take the next step. And number three, trust Jesus for the inheritance. For Moses would die outside the land. But Moses would die for his own sin. But the greater Moses, he would die outside the camp, not for his own sin, but as a burnt offering upon another mountain, another high place, Golgotha where he would die to secure our exodus from sin, where he would die to secure our inheritance among the saints. Therefore, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13, so let us go to him outside the camp bearing his reproach, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Father, we are grateful for this account in the book of Deuteronomy and for how it is ministered to our souls today. Holy Spirit, I ask that this message would continue to resonate with your people. Lord, you know there are many disappointments in our life but Lord, may our delight in you, our hope in you, outweigh those disappointments. For frankly, those disappointments are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. So Lord, teach us to pray. Father, forgive us for grumbling. Make us to, to walk forward in faith with our eyes on the finish line. Father, I do pray that you would just heal Josiah Henches up. Thank you that his fever is down. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you for the visit of Christopher and Matthew. Pray for a safe trip back to Vienna. I pray your blessing upon um, our church plant in Vienna as well, that you would continue to bless the Word of God as it goes forth, both there in Vienna and here in Lakeville at Grace Community Bible Church. We love you, Lord. We're thankful that you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.